Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. We're so excited to be here. Um, We have a very, very special guest today. We're so excited to have. Um, So I'll let her introduce herself because there's, you know, she needs very little introduction, but she can do it herself. And um, go ahead, Sarah. I'm Sarah Personette. Such an honor and pleasure to be here with two incredible ladies. So um, thank you very much for including me. I am a proud mom of two, um, a wife, a sister, a daughter, um, and then I also am the uh, global vice president of Twitter Client Solutions and have a long history of probably some some neat and interesting um, global roles that have allowed me to really have a wonderful seat at what technology is doing for the world today and how it's helping to bring people closer together. I love it. I'm so excited to have you. So happy to have you. I am just want our audience to know that although you're spending time with us here today in our in our tri-state area digs, you may or may not have been on calls with international publications as soon as or as recent as recent as yesterday. Not sure they're allowed to be said out loud, so I'll just say I'm proud to be part of the same collection of of um, media. Yeah, and that's okay. Medium. I was in Mexico City for the last two days um, and was being interviewed by CNN and Forbes. Week before that, I was in Tokyo um, doing a bunch of um, client meetings. Is that, and- a, is that a slight tan, I see? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was. Okay, I, just I wish it was. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Yeah. So, Tokyo burn? Yeah. But I'm most excited about this. So it's, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. And, and Sarah, um, for those of you that don't know her, she will will take her, you through her history, but she's also a, a dear friend, and our kids are friends, and yep. we moved here around the same time from Hoboken. Some of our kids are more than friends. Yes, okay. <laughs> there might that, be a love affair. That's a nod to the fact that's, that yes. my son is in in love with Marissa's daughter. Yes, <laughs> yes. they're six years old, and yeah. it's quite cute. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to start from the beginning. Um, we like to ask this question first and foremost because obviously the name of our podcast is the Dreamcatchers. We are very big on dreaming and dreaming big. Um, so what was your dream when you were little? What did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. And it's okay if the answer is more than one thing. Um, actually, I wanted to be a CEO. No way. Did you really? I really did. So, Like you played business in your bedroom? Yeah. It, so did I. I. Did you? Yeah. I love that. This is there was a, kindred spirits. There was a, there was a game. There like was an a game, office game. An office game from the, like that learning. That learning Toys to grow on. Thank you. Toys, Toys to, to grow, grow on. on. Catalog. I did not have that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. But it's okay. It looks like you might have gotten a little bit further ahead. <laughs> well, it's funny when I when I was reflecting on this question, my, I went to see my dad who um, worked in Chicago, 
This was when I was seven years old, and I, he was taking me around his office, and I was um, meeting all of his colleagues. And someone asked me, they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I looked him straight in the eye, and I was like, I want to be a CEO. And he said, a CEO of what? And I was like, I, I don't know. I just want to be a CEO. <laughs> You're like, I just want to be the boss. <laughs> yes. I, liked, I, I loved the concept of leadership, and I think you know that the idea that – in order to become an expert in something, you have to train for 10,000 hours. I believe that I've been training to be a leader my entire life. And there's something to the symbolism of a chief executive officer that that leadership shines through. And the balance between leadership and management is essentially what what I think great CEOs are made of. Mm, that was intuitive of you at seven. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Considering our kids are six. Yeah, that, and that's Summer wants to be a... Um, a mermaid. Yeah, Sam wants to be Star Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. so we'll work on that. Yeah, Connor, I think, just wants to be a master of the Minecraft of Minecraft. See, you know what? Well, that All might be very similar to what you felt yeah. at the time, if you actually think about it. Yeah. Master <laughs> of Minecraft. Minecraft. That was your version of Master of Minecraft in, in the nineties. Um, okay, uh, so what was your first job? My first job was um, at a movie theater called The Catlow in Barrington, Illinois. It was an old vaudeville theater that was made into like a 700-person movie theater that um, actually only played second-run movies. So they were $3, and I worked there Saturday and Sunday nights. And it was attached to a um, sandwich shop called Bologna's. So we would actually like take your order like you might order popcorn but you also might order like a massive bologna sandwich or an egg salad sandwich and we take your order follow you down remember where you sat in the 700 person theater and then bring the sandwiches to you wow. while the movie was Wait, going that's on no this is joke like, no like joke pre ipic and all these yes. other places that yes. do what that is now. it called cinema cinema what's no ipic and like all and um nighthawk and all these cinemas that do that now where you can eat in dine yeah. in my yeah. goodness that's yeah. so cool it was super fun i loved it that's I really love really cool so, so you were job. what did you what did they call you a waiter? Um I mean I, just, I like worked a at hostess? the hostess. I worked at the theater. Yeah. How it old were you at it that wasn't time? um it High was school? 13. So I started working there as soon as I graduated from 8th grade and then wow. I worked there through my like end of my senior year. Um and I had some like office jobs in between, but that was like the, the real first job. Main, main first job. I love yeah. that job. Yeah. It was fun. Then um, I learned how to really balance a lot of bologna. <laughs> That's it's exactly training right. for your executive career. <laughs> here, here is a fun story and one that everyone should be on the lookout for. So when the coffee would run out, and if someone asked for, like, decaf coffee, but we only had caffeinated coffee left, the bosses would tell me to just give them the coffee that we had. And I was like, no, you cannot do that. So like, you were serving caffeine yeah, well, to decaf customers? And I, I stopped it. You I was stopped like, it. I was like, this integrity is, is my favorite value. Not and this lacks integrity because <laughs> it could give someone the shakes for like the next seven hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That's you know, hilarious. What, I'm sure the people in Barrington are aware and they're like, oh, now. Now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> um, did you have – I mean, that's a really good first job. I don't know how you – you you follow that with your internships. I'm I'm going to assume your internships are a little bit more uh, ordinary. So the next um, my internship following that was um, I was. Where did you go to college? By I, I went to Northwestern University. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a clerk on the Chicago Board of Options Exchange. Was mm. my next job. Um, lots to to share there. I'm in a really male dominant environment, and I was. 
gosh, I was like 17 or 18, working on the floor, trying to, under, trying to understand the open outcry system. You know, technology hadn't really taken over trading at that time. and um, Open outcry. Open totally. Outcry. And that yep. Is, yep. Open outcry means, in layman's terms for the rest of us, like yelling. Correct. So like, yelling. Like, professional blurting. Exactly. Got professional it. Professional blur- blurting. That's actually what it says in the Webster di- Dictionary. I, I think so. <laughs> I love that. I looked it up before. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you when you, re- you think back to those old movies in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s of people standing around in a pit wearing yeah. like those khaki jackets yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, throwing out signs. I, I did that. Um, then the following year, I worked at I worked for the CEO of um, AT Carney Executive Search, um, and then I worked. Um, gosh, I worked for what is now Wachovia Securities. I was I did an internship there in um, their annuities and mutual funds division. And then, were you a finance or money major? Like no, a, not at all. So your internships were all in this kind of financial. And that was yes. from yes. what your your this your family's connections? No, just applying, applying for roles. And then the last one I did at the Field Museum, I worked for the oh, cool. CFO. It was amazing at the CFO, and it was all like figuring out how you structure lines so that they queue faster, like how you think about exhibitions, like rolling through if there's traveling. Um, we had like the Star Wars exhibition was there and figuring out where you place the um, gift shop so that you can maximize like profitability for the exhibit. Like it was just, it was awesome. And it so was so fascinating. I love like, that. Yeah. So many different things. But then I totally shifted gears and got into marketing. Um, which was really well, fun. Well, I actually think if I were to draw on that, so you just said all of your internships, right? Yeah. And the last one, mar- your energy when you talked about your last one married your energy that you talked about your first one. Yeah. Which, you know, if you think about it, I mean, granted, the lines, I think about that all the time, maybe just because I'm a consumer or I worked in retail or whatever. And, you know, you put those squishies right at that certain spot, that's where every kid under the age of 10 is going to touch them, yes. right? And they bring them and then, you know, or those last few aisles when you're at uh, Harmon or Bed Bath & Beyond and they get you, or Sephora. Yeah, well, you, you went, I, did you, it, I did it at Sephora She went down for $25. Right down. Right there. Right down. Yeah. I yeah. fell for that little checkout area, like a, like a silly consumer that I was, and I was like, whoops, I just spent $25 yeah. I didn't mean to spend. And there's science and psychology in that, but what it speaks to is just this, I think what I have is an obsession with consumer behavior and with people mm-hmm. and trying to understand um, why mentally they make decisions, why they use things like technology, how they communicate with each other, what their interests are. Like part of that is leadership and management, but a lot of that translates into the world of marketing that, you know, for the last almost, gosh, almost 20 years I've, I've been involved with. What did you major, what did you major in? Political science and international relations. I actually. Okay, so that was the people in the global. Yeah, I am. Um, but no business. No business. Interesting. I know, I know. So um, what was your right? first real job out of school? What was your first kind of freshman year outside of the city? Like, you know, I say freshman year in the city, but freshman year outside of school. What did you do? So I, I first started out in an advertising agency called Star Company of S Group. Sure. And um, funny story about this. So my I'm super close with my family, and um, my dad and I are, are very close. Um, but he loves to give me career advice, and he would. he's told me three times in, in my life that I've made really bad career decisions. This was the first one. I can go through the other ones. Um, 
And it was absolutely the right decision. But um, what wound up happening? And he was dead wrong. He was dead wrong. Sorry, dead dead wrong. Yeah. Um, It happens sometimes. It does. It does. But what wound up happening is I, you know, most people at Northwestern, they become investment bankers or consultants. And I was sort of going down the the investment banking path. And um, on a whim, I took an interview at Starcom Media Vest Group. And this was around 2001. And I just sort of fell in love with. The fact that that technology and art and creativity could be combined in order to serve people and in order to serve businesses and brands. And um, sure enough, like within the first few weeks of being there, I um, I actually like I knew that I wanted to be a, a CEO of an agency someday. I just loved the way that the people worked together. I loved the work that we were doing, the complex problems that we were solving. The, di- the dynamic of the marketplace and the industry that was surrounding us. I mean, this is like very early days. Like 2001 was when the internet bubble actually burst. So sure. trying to imagine a world where everything could be digitized and everything could go mobile was not something that really felt um, tangible. S- tangible. Yeah. Exactly right. Like we didn't have a ton of confidence in it, but yet you could see that there was this like brink and this horizon upon us. And I just felt like I had this early access to something that was so special. Um, so and where did you sit? You sat in Chicago at that time? I was in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, about two years in, we pitched the Coca-Cola business and, and won it. And then I, I moved out here to help open up that office. Which Got was, it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you're born, raised in yes. Chicago. You went really far to this school that no one had heard of, Northwestern. <laughs> um, and then that's when you took your... Your plane ride. Yes. To Manhattan. Yes. Got it. Which I thought I'd be here for did two years. Did you study years. abroad? I did. I studied abroad for about six weeks um, during, like, right after my sophomore um, year ended. I took Italian for six weeks in Italy, and then I came back and in, interned in, in for the second half. Good spot. Yeah. Yeah. We, awesome. and I we both, both were there studied too. there as well. Now, were you, are you, like, fluent in Italian? Nope. Okay. I mean, it depends on how many glasses of wine I've had. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> my issue, my, my, my complaint always was that... You know, studying there, although, yes, I took the language and I was immersed in the language, you could get by without it. And I also spoke Spanish so well that I just kind of, like, spoke this Spanglish Italian and it worked. And so I never – and I regret it still – that I didn't spend more time picking up the like language. The language. Yeah. I, I, I knew actually, how to say like four things. My <laughs> program was – I went on a different program because my school was extremely difficult about um, credits transferring. So I went on a program that had me in Siena, Italy, which is where my daughter oh, got her name from. Um, and I was in a four-week Italian immersion class where they did not speak not one word of English to us. Not one. Walked in, had never spoken a lick of Italian other than the word pizza – and um, rigatoni. And I legit. Mozzarella. They lit- mozzarella, I knew that one. Um, they literally only spoke Italian at us. And your brain does incredible things under circumstances like that. It just learns language. Unfortunately, I had placed out of AP French. <laughs> and that immersion undid my French. So her Spanglish was like, mine was like, for Italian. I don't know what it was. But because of that, I actually can. If you speak Italian to me slowly, you can I can understand it. it. But my brain can't turn Respond. it back so quickly unless I'm, like, ordering it. Like, 
an Uber, which we would say an Uber now, but yeah. like if I get a taxi, or where's the bankomat? Yeah, which was ATM. Um, then I can Duomo. order food. Yeah, or you're, you're lost in Florence, Dove Duomo. <laughs> you just look up for look, the dome. There, that's um, that center of the city. Then you can't but, be lost. But I did. I did speak it. I did speak it because. And when when we did get to Florence, all the kids that were on Jamie's program, which I was several years ahead of her, but the program was very well known for certain schools, and they didn't speak a lick. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Like I had a, I had like an a- edge. Um, you know, so if you wanted to order your things or beverages or everyone asked food you to do or it. shopping, I did I like a lot how you of said it. Beverages, beverages, and not wine. There, no, nope. well, you know, Vino. I don't know That's if I was twenty-one. I, I don't want to incriminate myself. Um, although <laughs> there, oh, there, it was probably fine. Let me ask you this: This is one of my favorite questions. Before we, we segue into your actual career, which obviously is so incredibly phenomenal, and as I've told many people, not on air, but I will happily tell them on air that I have the hugest women's crush on you. Anyway, um, so sorry, it's out. girl crush. It's out. It's out. Um, so it's all. And so I feel about you as Connor feels about. Okay. Um, so I have a question. What do you think your highlights are, or or are there things from whether it's the theater in Great Barrington or Wachovia or, um, you know, or obviously Field Museum? Are there any things that you learned in those early days that you actually feel like you draw on on a regular basis? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think the first one is uh, be the master of your own education. So there are so many resources, and, and being the master of your edu- education – Back in grade school, middle school, you know, po- post-college, you had access to different resources. Yeah. And um, so back in the early days, that was a lot about asking questions of the, the people around me that understood things that I didn't understand. What that became later on in life and certainly in the early days of my corporate career were how can I access things that a company is not going to provide me? And how do I identify those things that I want to learn and and make myself accountable for learning that versus placing that burden solely on a company? Now, having run a company, I actually very much believe that a corporation has to own L&D and has to be able – learning and development and has to be able to support their employees – in their career journey. But more often than not, if you just Google something, you're actually going to be able to find this incredible list of resources. So the first business plan that I ever wrote um, while I was at Facebook in the early days, I actually just Googled, how do you write a business plan? I got seven different examples of what a business plan looks like. And then I wrote a business plan. Um, Or more recently, when I had to figure out how to do franchising and licensing, I ordered three textbooks from Amazon. I read those textbooks And then obviously you have to put it into practice and you ask a lot of questions and you sort of seek to understand. But that's like there's no limit to what you can achieve if you actually try to understand, learn, and master that from an education perspective. Take the time to research. Yes, absolutely. Explore your surroundings. Yeah. Take inventory of what you're exposed to. We say that all the time, obviously, being that, you know, by trade we're career counselors, we – that's literally you if you picked one thing that I would tell my candidates is make sure you did your research, right? So like and and that applies what you just said to an interview process, but to anything. Yes. Right. So if you're attacking something new at work or you're having a conversation with somebody, you better know what you're dealing with. Now, I researched you before this, but I'm still asking you the questions just so the listeners could hear the answers. I knew you went to Northwestern, like I did so my did research. I. But I think that, you know, when you're going on an interview or you're interviewing someone in this case, you're 
you're preparing. It's Absolutely. research. And it's really, it just shows that you took that minute to actually You know, and I'd like prepare. to insert this because we I've noticed who our listeners are, and I also know who our clients are, so to speak. Our clients, are, in my industry, we say clients would be our client being the company, not the candidate. But in language, I would say my client being a candidate. Yeah. Um, they tend to be a, a hiccup of a generation behind us. I will just leave that in quotes. Um, and I find that that generation sometimes has trouble, what I would call organically thinking. Um, I want them to, I always will say, listen, this is somebody, this is a woman that's been revolutionizing in an industry that has grown as we have grown, frankly. We were live action, so you were researching while it was actually happening. Um, so it wasn't like you could go up with historical data. You were creating historical data. So, you know, you had to think big. You couldn't think one-dimensionally. And sometimes the interesting thing about media is it's all right there at your fingertips that you're not actually thinking. Like sometimes I miss, not to use the analogy too too fluidly, but I miss, what was it, microfiche? Where you're actually getting into the grit of the research. Microfiche. Like, I, get in there. Go into the stack. Like, put your and, head in yes. that screen. Figure when, stuff out. Really quickly, when was the last time you said the word microfiche? The fact that I was That's able to actually amazing. find it right now in that the great cobweb of space cr- is pretty impressive. Crazy kudos to you. Wow. Yeah. Can I just share my other piece? Of, I mean, I have a long list of, of things that I pull from. But the other thing that I have consistently pulled from is be kind to all. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing how surprising that is to people. And I'm like, why Why would kindness be surprising? And I think most people look up and they feel like you had to act or operate in a certain way in order to move fast through your career or just progress through your career. And every industry – first and foremost, is small. So kindness matters in that respect, but it's just also really good to be good to people. Mm-hmm. And I think like reputationally for me, I know I'm known as being really kind and really good to people, which matters more to me from a legacy perspective than whether or not I built a business. I love, I love that. I love that too. Actually, just got silent. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a really rich comment. I love it. Um, and probably why I like you. <laughs> This is why we're friends. Yeah, this is why we're kind. friends. You're, You're very kind. kind. Been um, kind to us from the beginning. So, you know, normally at this part of our conversation, I would say, what did you do now? But not to not to necessarily want to go through your resume because anyone that's going to look you up is going to be able to see it. But I feel like where you are now, you talking only about that would do a disservice with how you kind of got there. Mm. So maybe you want to give us a, um, a quick play-by-play of, you know, what happened after you left – Start was it Starcom? Starcom. Yep. 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 Um, How did you get where you are? And, and the Coca Cola kind of, account. Yeah. So, um, following moving here and um, working on the Coke business uh, for about four four plus years, I, I ran the Coke trademark business and then moved over to the Mars Wrigley business and ran that um, portfolio and then. Around 2008, 2009, the global recession hit, and it really, I mean, it changed every single industry, but it had a very significant impact on the media landscape at large. And um, coming out of coming out of the recession, stabilizing the account, stabilizing the business, and stabilizing people um, was super important, but... Then as we got to a healthy place from a business and economic perspective, I sort of picked my head up and looked around at every single CEO that was running an agency at that time. And if you remember back, 
like, like in the earliest of days of joining SMG, I knew I wanted to run an agency someday. And so I, I, I looked up and saw that no one really had deep technology experience and no one had really deep social experience. So I actually, I paused and um, I had been working with Facebook for a, a period of time at this point, you know, that's 2009, 2010. So still super early days for mm-hmm. Facebook. It was 1,200 people. It's 50,000 people today. Um, I hired was, their second person. I in knew New York you office. did. Danielle Sorry. Beer, right? Yes, oh, yes. Danielle yes. is awesome. I'm uh, par- I, when, if you're watching the movie, my part was the part when they came to New York. So. <laughs> the, but I'm not in the movie. Yeah, no, but Justin Timberlake was. <laughs> okay. You should have been in I know. the movie. You, they were, you know, it. Justin asked for me. I was busy. I believe that. I, I may or may that. not have been becoming a mom. Okay. Um, he only asked for you because you, he thought you were me. Yeah. <laughs> True. He's true. He's my he's my hall pass. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, we digress. Everyone knows that. So so um, I think this is really important though because I actually took a massive what people would have deemed at that time as a massive demotion in order to join Facebook. And I was you know I I was a senior vice president at SMG. I was um, super young for that role in that position, running a team of about a hundred people. And this was the second time that my dad was like, worst decision you have ever made in your entire life. <laughs> and he was wrong again. And he was wrong again. <laughs> Love my dad. You know but. what? In all fairness, he was right with the criteria that he had had. It, that's exactly yes. right. And you know what? I'm that's sorry exactly to interject right. here, yep. but we talk about this always that when we're, t- when we're talking with candidates, usually our biggest enemy, our biggest kind of um, hurdle is a parent giving advice because, oh, I'm going to talk to my parents about this. And then we have to kind of undo some of that advice. So let Sarah be an example of that. Sometimes I mean, that's you, a, an extreme you example. You don't have to I'm, listen to dad. I mean, you can be like, you know what, dad? I appreciate your opinion, but I'm going to take it anyway. And that's, that's my exactly gut says what I, I should. Yep. I think if you choose a— He's edited his opinion since. Oh, yeah. Then, oh, yeah. Then he, like, wanted He's to like, open okay. up a sales office in Naples, Florida for, <laughs> yeah. for He's them. like, I work for Facebook. Yes. That's exactly He's like, right. I, I don't need to have a Facebook.edu. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> I mean, he really did wind up shifting so much but he, and and almost did want to open up a sales office in Florida. I was like, you cannot do it. There is uh, a not a market staff. there. Yeah. Um, but that said, I, I think if you choose a job based on what you're going to learn and the value system of the people that you're surrounded by, it's always going to be the right decision. And that's what I was that's what I was searching for. That's what I was looking for was the opportunity to learn again, the opportunity to roll up my sleeves. And it speaks to the fact that like a career should be horizontal, right? Mm-hmm. It can, or, or a jungle gym. You might take steps up, but then you might take a step down or a step over in order to learn, in order to fulfill something in sort of your your portfolio of talents and assets as an individual. And I, you know, I I look back on that, and there are multiple times where I've I've taken side moves, uh, upward moves, lower moves. Like the, it, it has never been the wrong move if you do it with the intention of of learning and connecting and ultimately mm-hmm. growing. And I mean that speaks true. Now, just even in the last few minutes, you're webbing a story of how every job that you've taken is because you wanted to learn something. Yes, exactly. And right. So if you were pivotally leaving the agency side so that you could learn more about the social side, yes, yes. it would make sense 
in the fact that you were doing intuitive research for what you believed was going to be something really big mm-hmm. down the line. That's yep. exactly right. I heard that Facebook was yep. pretty big down the line. It, it wound up becoming yeah. a pretty big thing. It was. It wound up being a good decision. I never, I never got another job order from them. That's okay. I'm not bitter. Um, go ahead. So, <laughs> they didn't need your help after that. Apparently. Yeah, I guess they were on their own. The, and Danielle did a lot for the company. Yes, so she handled it. Yes, she, handled she, it. she had it. She had it. It's okay. I'm yeah. happy with the fact that she met her husband and has beautiful kids, and we're still friends because of me. No, I'm just kidding. Dan, I know. I'm just kidding. Not really. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so then um, I actually, well, I, I originally joined to be a CPG strategist, like a, a, a strategist that, that helped on a specific category called consumer packaged goods. But that's where, while being there, I realized that there was this entire white space around supporting agencies. And I literally, I, I built a business plan um, by Googling it. How do you write a business plan? And I pitched it to uh, Cheryl Sandberg and, and David Fisher, and um, I was so excited. I was like, I've got this great business plan ready to go. And um, I presented to them, and they said, no, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to invest in that team. We don't think it's a big enough opportunity. And, and this then, was a team to just service agencies. The agents, so yes. like the client. Exactly And like right. having some sort of client services team. Exactly right. Got it. And then um, I, I continued on with my day-to-day, and I pitched it again. And Cheryl and David said no. And then I what kept was the timeline? Today, like six months later. This is probably over the course of yeah, probably about um, within the, the framework of about six months total. So I just kept going back. And I, you felt that the, the 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 structure wasn't necessarily giving the client enough attention. Yeah, the the structure was focused mainly on direct. To, to client, like the manufacturer, sure. um, versus the, the agency, agency that might support them and help build their business as an extension of their brand team. Got it. And so you wanted to try and insert the structure that had already embodied or already existed in other disciplines in the media field. Right. That's exactly right. There is like a customer segment that wasn't being served. And in order for us to scale our business from a Facebook perspective, we needed to be able to serve that client or that that type of customer in a different way. And I, I just... I knew that there was something there, um, but convincing people that there was something there was, took a little bit of time. And then I went back a third time, and they finally said, yes, let's do it. And um, I so you didn't give up. I did not give up. Um, and, I, and I also appreciate it. says no to you twice, but you went for a third round. Went, went for a third round. I think at that point she just said yes because she was like, uh, <laughs> like I, I don't want to hear this pitch again. This conversation. I, don't, I don't need to see yeah. the pitch again, Sarah. Chicago yeah. <laughs> But I think when you're – there's passion and tenacity in that, but I think there's also like identification of the white space. When you're new, I think for – especially for the candidates that you guys speak to, when, when they're new in a role, they have – the ability to see things that others who have been in that company for a long period of time might not see. Mm-hmm. And so taking taking advantage of that very unique perspective that lasts for about like six to, I'd say six to nine months at any given company is is super valuable, at least in in writing it down and articulating it so that at some point in time, it might become, it might become an opportunity for you as an individual, but it more often than not, it also will help the company to understand that you're thinking bigger than potentially just um, what they're doing today. So I built that that team globally uh, around the world for about three and a half years. And then um, I actually got the call to run an agency. So um, I was 33 and um, wow, yeah, it was, I mean, I still, I only say the age part because I think when you're 33, you are, 
As old as you've ever been. Are you a mom yet? You're not a mom yet at Um, this point. I am. You are. I am a mom. I have a, I think Connor was seven months old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was seven months old, and I walked into a, a, a new agent new advertising agency that i had never like it was a part of a holding company that i had never um worked at before i didn't know anyone there i knew maybe two people so it wasn't like i was walking into my old family of where i had been for eight years prior to but this um, was the dream job this was the dream job seven-year-old dream job come knocking absolutely and it was i wasn't looking to leave facebook but I, i instinctively and right in the moment when um, Jackie Kelly, who is just an absolute amazing woman, mentor, business leader, when she had um, asked me to consider this role, I, I, without hesitation and even without talking to um, to Dave, my husband, I was like, yes, yes, this is what I've always dreamed of. And what was cool in that is that I had, I had been really clear around my intention and my um, – I'll say ambition. Ambition sometimes has like a little bit of a negative connotation, but really clear about my my ultimate career goal with all the people that I had worked at um, with at, at Facebook. And so when that happened, when that opportunity was made available to me, the excitement and the support and the enthusiasm from all of my team members at Facebook was also really gratifying and really incredible. And I think what led me to later on be asked back to join the company, um, which wound up happening a little bit later on. But it was a, it was just, a, it's a, I think it's a, a neat way of saying to people, like, it's okay to talk about your intention and your career aspirations with people. It, it doesn't need to be a secret. We yeah. talk about this all the time. Actually, the girls that have all worked for us, it's yeah. a big thing. We've encouraged them to be open with us. I mean, we're career counselors. We should know if you want to yes. leave or want to do something different or want to take on a new role or come up with or identify some white space that we're not addressing. And um, I think that's what made us so successful as mentors and bosses even because the girls that work for us didn't feel scared necessarily to tell us that they wanted to do other things. I love that. I mean, you su- you're supporting them as people and you're supporting them in their or career journey. Just being journey. kind. Yeah. You know? Yes. Just exactly being right. kind, like you said. <laughs> just being kind. Just being there, kind. There, is some, there is something to be said that there is a time and a place. And if you are, like, if you are interviewing for something, you know, as a counselor, I am supposed to tell you that your listener may not want to hear that at that moment. Right. That's because very they, fair. Because sometimes all they fair. hear... Is, is that you don't now, actually want to work for correct, me. Yes. And or I now have to replace you. Yes. Right? So that to them. But being um, being you know, your having those self, open conversations. Self, yes, I yeah. don't think is something to um, discount. Yeah. Uh, I think that you, I also believe wholeheartedly in life, both professionally and personally, that your vibe attracts your tribe. Your story is your story because it was, it was, it was meant to be that way, and the people that were receiving your authentic feedback were the right people to hear it. Yes, correct. And yes. you, the way you handled yourself professionally and with kindness, that when you left a place, you left on good terms with a door open. So in case you needed to pop back in, whether it was to work together or work there again, you could. Yes. Which, by the way, is a tremendous lesson for everybody yeah. in any level in any part of their career. Yeah, we always call it, you know, I used to, an old boss of mine called it the lame duck period, where 
when you're deciding that you're going to leave and you have those two weeks or for some longer or shorter, those are the, the weeks they'll remember the most, right? Because it's like, how were you on that back end of your time with us so that, you know, and if you just shut off right before you're about to leave somewhere, that's what somebody's going to remember. There's actually a psychological theory about, like, going last. I forget what that's called when it's, like, the end, where that's the stuff people remember. I don't know if it's a psychological it's whether you theory go, no, or there is like from American Idol. No, I remember when I, no, 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 when I was a competitive <laughs> dancer and we would ha- be in a competition, you wanted to go first or you wanted to go last. Yeah. Because if you're somewhere in between, you get lost. And it's an actual thing. Like, Fair. the judges don't remember who's in the middle. So that that last two weeks, those last couple of days of a company, you know, when you're so- somewhere, are the, actually the most important sometimes. I, you leave on good terms. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to, like, how how you want to show up in the world. Um, it's funny. That as you say that, I was reflecting on that that final day at, at Facebook, and I, was, I worked until 9 p.m. that night. Of course you did. Like, it yep. was um, – it just, like, felt right. right. And um, and so I, I think that's also like after acting and operating with the right type of value system sure. and integrity is a good good component of that and work ethic. So how did you end up where you are now? So fast forward, I ran that agency for two years, an incredible experience, and then um, Cheryl and David Fisher, who was my boss, actually asked me to come back and rejoin Facebook in order to run their um, marketing team, and. Just when you looked at the the size and scale that Facebook had become, I mean, they were the big blue app, and then they had moved to being um, Facebook, Instagram, Atlas, WhatsApp, Messenger. I mean, it really had become a portfolio of brands. And I had never had never done a pure play marketing role before. I had been always in and either corporate functions or media, which is a part of marketing. But I had never done that, and I really wanted that experience. Again, you wanted to learn. So we know what your kryptonite is. Yeah. Education. Yes. Yes. Learning Um, something new. And and it was unbelievable. I mean, so to usher them into like the the concept of a full family of apps and services was pretty pretty amazing. Um, and I also knew I was going to learn, but I also knew I was going to be surrounded by and a see, really good and usher. Did your dad support? By the way, an usher. At that point, he did. Yes. Dad supported this one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You were an usher like you were with your bologna sandwich. <laughs> I mean, it really all comes full circle. It really does. I was a movie usher, you moved, and then I ushered those... in a new part of my career. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I love it. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, okay. Oh, my goodness. That egg salad yes. really came so, in handy. So you came back to Facebook. Yep. Um, within that, I had a second baby, um, named Declan, um, not in love with your daughter, but he, he does talk her. about her yeah, a he lot. He does, like, like, he helps support the, he supports he the does. bond. I you think know, he keeps you know, it alive. Like, I do think he good. keeps like, it alive. wants to breathe it going. He does. He and it's all in the family because he does love Elliot. <laughs> so, you know what? It's just a matter of time before they all cross <laughs> over into each other. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing. So, um, so at that point, I, I was at Facebook, um, and then it was funny. A lot of people said, "What's your, you know, if you've achieved your career ambition of running an agency, what do you want to do next?" And I, for a long time, I really didn't have an answer. Um, but then, if you look at just sort of gender parity in the way that the the world is run today, but also how corporate America is run today. It really does start at a a corporate board director level, and um, I wound up having the opportunity and privilege to be to join a publicly traded board, which is Build a Bear. And anyone who has kids would probably know know that um, particular company. But that was an amazing, I I think, an amazing transition in my career because I was moving from 
running a function or running a company to then advising a company. And you have to play a different, A, your voice needs to be heard in a different way. You tend to, the average age for board members is around um, 72. um, Mm -hmm. And usually in a a white male. Um, And this is when you would draw upon your, what was the fancy language before? The outcrying? Oh, open outcry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, I can deal with this. Yeah. I've worked Open in- outcry, board meeting. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think what you, what I also drew upon was um, being in a various environments that were relatively male dominant and the way that, um, the the way that people spoke or talk and how you communicate. I'm, I had the pleasure of the Build-A-Bear board being a lot more diverse than most corporate boards that exist today. But I think that that passion sort of around creating equality inside of the boardroom and then how you transcend that and drive that down into a company so that people understand if you want really great women to stay in the workforce and you want them to continue to rise in the workforce, you have to do things like focusing on performance, not on presence. You have to think about whether or not there is – Performance, not on presence. It's a I'm it's preaching to the choir. Right. I mean I just that took matters. A deep inhale. By the way, I want to make sure that we stay true to your story, but I feel like this hopefully could turn into another podcast that I think people would really love to hear, especially from your like how you pivotal, do it, how you yeah, balance how you it. do it. Yeah. Like it's not easy to be this graceful, right? And then not for nothing, your point of view on all of the hot buzzwords that are happening in this in this world right now, which frankly I don't think are hot buzzwords. They're not buzzwords. That's actually real life for women. Yes. It's not a buzz. It's, you know, how do you get up in the morning? How do you run a company? How do you take care of two little boys? How do you go to the Tokyo. How do you food shop? Right. How do you go to Tokyo and Mexico? And then also have soccer on Saturday. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, and then which and then and then where do you do with the guilt? And where do you and and when do you go to out with your friends? And like all the things that really define you as a human being. Um, I think that is a, a podcast upon podcast upon podcast. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I w- yesterday when I got home from Mexico City, first the first thing I do, my my kids weren't home yet, but then they got home and and we're just like hugging and and talking and um, and just laughing. And then um, later on, I had put the laundry in before they before they got home, and then we're sitting down and we're watching a show, and I'm folding folding the laundry. Right. Because that's what you do as a mom and hopefully a more balance in in your family. I think my husband's a really incredible um, man and does a lot in the household to create equilibrium. But that said, I'm still like folding the laundry after just being on the ground. Interviewed by Forbes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So we're all there's like an element of normalcy that also I think is important to talk about and that. It's hard to do all of those, all of these things for anyone, whether it is flying to Tokyo or whether it is being able to pick up three children in three different locations at the same time while you know that you have a massive amount of um, stuff to do at home and you also want to find something that's uh, fulfilling for you from a, just a life perspective. I mean, I think this is something that all women have to 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 talk about openly and accessibly with each other. And we talked about this a lot on our last episode with Tootsie, who, as you know, obviously inspires us and inspires you. She's incredible. So, you know, we have a ton more questions. I want to ask you 50 more things. But to be mindful of time, I wanted to kind of, you know, ask you what inspires you. How do you keep at it? What do you do to stay inspired? Do you have a mantra? Mm. 
I have a, f- a few. Um, I think the first one is I'm a, a really big believer in conscious leadership. And the concept concept of conscious leadership is that basically there's a line, an imagine, imaginary line, and you're either above the line or you're below, below the line. And above the line means that you're like, you're open, you're accessible, you are um, positive, optimistic. Below the line might be that you're feeling closed, you're defensive, um, you are – it's it, it, a bit more negative in terms of like feelings and territory. And conscious leadership is not that you should – that you can never go below the line. It's being conscious of the fact that I have dipped below the line and then self-coaching myself above the line so that I can, again, be open to feedback. I can be open to the opportunities that surround me, be open to people, be open to concepts. And um, – That is just a practice. It's literally like it's like yoga. It is a um, which Tootsie teaches, you know, every single day. But you have to work on building that muscle. It is it's not easy and I am not great at it. But I I try every moment of the day because there are times where I can be taken out of a positive situation and and receive a ton of of feedback or receive a, a challenging, complex problem that might require me to just like, again, make sure that I am staying above above the line and being conscious of, of how I'm leading teams and how I'm leading people and how I'm leading myself. Um, I love that. So that's probably the biggest I thing. I call that rebubbling. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, because Marissa will be like, we need to rebubble. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can feel, I mean, it, other people's it energy my own start spiritual to come needs, in. But like, you realize you start to feel or you're offset or your course is offset from other energy around you and you've just let it in yes. and you need to just get it. You got to stay back in your lane and, and, and not to say that you can't absorb their feedback, but you need to still be in your lane. And that's what I call like, you need to shift your energy back to where it was when you started. Yes. Um, and it's not easy to do. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I mean, I, I say it out loud, but have four meltdowns a day at least, <laughs> but I try really hard to stay sparkly and bubbled and gold and lavender. So we um, try, we try to ask a couple of, t- wait, t- we didn't even hold on. We left Facebook. Um, fast forward. I was the chief operating officer of a company called refinery 29, which is a publisher focused on, um, Digital media in particular, um, but it really stands for um, being a catalyst for women to find, see, and claim their power in the world. And we did that probably because we wanted to learn a little bit more about the women's market. Actually, the publisher side of the business, um, what it meant to also license and franchise. And it was um, right after the Me Too movement had um, kicked off, and I really needed to make sure that every day I was going to work and was away from my children, it it had to matter in the world. And um, fast forward, I um, had been uh, approached by Twitter, and it was just not the right timing. And um, and they they came back to me, and there is something going on in the world today, right? We we live in in polarizing times, which can create really complicated feelings, and that's that's just the reality of of the world. And the, the mission of the company is to serve the public conversation. And, and Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO and founder, his belief is that in bringing clo- people closer together, we're actually going to be able to have a healthier, um, better world. And I, I, love, I love that mission. Um, so I think being a part of a mission-driven company is incredibly important. But I also loved 
the opportunity to um, be global again, to work at a technology company. Um, and and then, you're doing client service there now, aren't you? Yeah. So I so on this side, so I'm, here comes the business plan again. Yes. So I'm a lot closer to to revenue now. I'm, I'm it. driving. It's a you know it's about a three billion dollar company, um, and. I think to to both drive the business as well as a lot of the different services and capabilities underneath is just it, it's exciting. Um, it feels it, it feels fulfilling, but it also really challenges me. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know, and I love it when I don't know. I'm also the first person to say, "I'm not sure. Tell me more. Let's actually discover yep. what needs to happen here um, collectively together." So it's been it's been awesome. That's a spectacular resume, my friend. <laughs> I want to talk to you forever, and I know you no. have to go because you have a meeting right after this. So, um, it's probably like somewhere cool. Um, but anyway, Us Magazine. We have a million questions. That's <laughs> yeah, us. We yeah, actually, us. Sidebar, started using your question about traveling that ah, you did that night at dinner one. with other people. We'll have to do that a different day. Um, we asked. Can we just share um, what the question is? This is the, yeah. So the question is, if you could travel anywhere, I, I adapted it a little bit. I don't I saw remember that. exactly saw what that, yours yeah. is, but we said, if you could travel anywhere, where would you go? One alone, two with a partner, and three with your friend. And... Um, one of our guests, actually, Sarah uh, Martinez, said, you know, if she could go anywhere alone, it would be her house with no one else in it. And I just love that answer. And I'm like, all right, maybe. By the way, you don't even have to go further. It's you're, you're like, oh, that's it's a amazing answer. So we have like a thousand other questions. But I think what we can leave it at is um, one of the things that we're really asking a lot of our guests and what we find to be a good way to sum up. Obviously, I'd love to hear what impresses you when you're interviewing someone. And there's a thousand other things. But um what is your word for 2019? You know, we have talked about on this podcast, you know, mine is patience, Marissa's is clarity, um, and really trying to stick to that, you know, intention, or I don't want to call it a resolution, but what is your action word for 2019? It's an excellent question. I'm So this isn't an action word, but this is probably a bit of a, a bit of a mantra and, um, I will say it and then I'll describe why. Um, it's the middle. Um, and the best piece of advice I ever got was to ride the middle. And when you hear that, it actually, especially if you're a driver, it feels like, are you telling me to be complacent? Like to to not elevate my game? And actually what it means is that in life, in whether it's in a career, whether it's in your personal life, there are going to be these epic highs and there are going to be these epic lows. And it's never about spending too much time in the high or too much time in the low, because if you're in the low, you're going to come back up. And if you're in the high, you're going to come back down. It's really managing life and the chaos sometimes that surrounds us in a way that allows us to be really stable. So I, I, I try in the, the speed of the day, the week, the month, the year to ride the mil- middle and appreciate um, where I am and, and what I have around me. Live in the moment. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. There's an element of mind, body, soul. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's what I'm saying. I that's love that. Do you have a superpower? I mean, other than the fact that you can fold laundry after coming home from Tokyo and Mexico City. <laughs> and then we have to go because you're going to be late. I don't want you to be late. I don't, um, I don't think I have a superpower. Um, I, I think I'm... You know, I think a lot of people would describe me historically as fearless, and I have a ton of fears. And um, 
I think people also think it's that the career, the resume, right, sounds really awesome. I have failed. You know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Hold on. I failed it so much. Wait, one, two, three, kindness. No, man, we weren't the same. Be kind. I was going to say, you know what your superpower is? You're human. Oh, that's like a good one. That's the best thing. That's what I think it is. I think that you are so incredibly intuitively approachable. I use the word intuitive so much, but it's like such a thing for you. It's effervescent. So, and you, and, and you, and you talk about learning and you're talking about exploring and you're talking about, you know, just being part of every, like you immerse yourself in everything, every culture, whether it's your children or the school or our town or our last town or your communities, your business communities. And that is a human superpower. Um, so I think I'm going to grant you that. You earned your superpower on the dream the catchers. Dream catchers. I and love that. um and I, I, I would too. like to um thank you for being here. I'd like to see um if you could say what your favorite food was in or your favorite meal was in Barrington, Illinois, so that we can close out and shout out to your hometown peeps. I love that. My favorite Besides meal, bolognese. Well so at Bo- it's at bolognese, their egg salad sandwich was absolutely unbelievable. And that Bologna's was run by a woman named Roberta and her husband, Tim. And um, they also managed the movie theater. And Roberta was, and and God rest her soul, because she actually passed away a few years ago. But she brought this just passion and connection to the community through food each and every day. And it's the the reason I wanted to to work at the movie theater was because of her being born and raised on eating these, like literally sandwiches the size of your head. I mean, imagine like I could go for one right now. Actually, so delicious about it. Sounds great. You know what? It just goes to show you, and something I talk about all the time: the definition of success. So, Roberta and Tim, small business, not that small, seven hundred person theater. Let's be honest, but small business, middle America. Doing right, being kind, inspiring others. That energy goes out into the world, and there's a little girl named Sarah doing that for thousands of people. You're gonna make me cry. It's very, amazing. Very emotional now. It's amazing. And if you really think about the little things that we all do, that we all do, the little stuff that we all do can be so much bigger. Uh, to to close out, can I just share the story of um, Marissa? Actually, my first day moving to Fairhaven. I was um, I was nervous and scared and felt like we had what what had we done had we made the the right decision and I knew you guys but I didn't know you right we didn't know you well super well mm-hmm. and um, we went to a yoga class I don't it might have been Tootsie's it might have been John's I can't remember um, and you pulled me aside and you said know that this might be hard but you can do this and we are here for you. And you have a community that is going to support you. And it totally changed my perspective on that that day to know that I, I could actually make this transition that seemed so big in life. And it helped me, if I think about that philosophy of riding the middle, when I had those epic lows, I would refer back to that conversation with you on that stoop 
And it would get me back up to the middle. It would get me back up to believing that I could do and be who I wanted to be in the world. So thank well, you. Well, if I can give that. someone like you advice, thank you and good night. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, Christian, we're all, everybody's down we're for the count misty. here. We're a little misty in Monmouth County today. Okay. All right. And thank well, you for this sharing This was so that. lovely. Sarah Personette, thank you for being here and joining us on thank the Dreamcatchers. This was lovely. And I have a thousand more questions. You'll have to come back for round two. I would love it. All right, folks. On that note. Love you. Have love a great you. weekend.